Welcome to the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast, a Ball Blast football production. Here are your hosts, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, and John Helmkamp. We are back once again, Richard's Dynasty Podcast. Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, John Helmkamp, and Kadarius Tony. The four of us just hanging out tonight on the show. Uh, not really, but he is the topic of the show. We're going to talk about the Florida wide receiver. Okada is hands dancing. He is showing his Ball Blast football t-shirt, which you can get online at ballblastfootball.com. Um, fellas, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this player. He's polarizing. I don't know where to put him in my ranks. I don't even know how to approach this guy because he's going to go probably in the first round of the NFL draft, but nothing about his production profile says that he should. So I'm excited to talk about Kadarius Tony. So let's start with the size. John had it pulled up just a minute ago. I have uh, different numbers here. So John hit me with his size and uh, weight. I have him from the senior bowl weigh in at 5'11", 189. So he is Ironically. the same height as Tylen Wallace and is four pounds lighter. And they play like Tylen Wallace is 6'4", 220, and Kadarius Tony is 5'9", 180. Yeah. It is kind of weird because they don't – and their game is different too, right? The way that these so two players mm-hmm. play, their size is different. So we'll talk about all that on tape here in a minute. Fellas, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Their production profile is horrific. It is so bad. I don't know what to do with it. And there is there is context to it, right? We have to talk about this player coming out of high school. This guy was a dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school. He didn't really start playing wide receiver until 2019, maybe, like two years ago, because the first two years, he was mostly kick return, punt return, wildcat, gadget, line up in the slot, you do this, go there, go there. Um, and then he actually started developing into wide receiver. So... When you look at this from an advanced analytics standpoint, the breakout age is going to be awful. Dominator rating is going to be awful. It's not going to tell you that he's a good player, but every NFL draft mock you look at, and if you're a sicko like me that wants to bet on the NFL draft and player props and where they're <laughs> going to go, which I'll be writing up content for the site for. Oh, I yes. can't wait. Apparently I can't 20, wait. It's 27 and a half. I don't, I don't know. So... Talk to me about the production profile, guys, and then maybe just talk about kind of what you saw like early in his career on tape in terms of how it progresses towards his senior season in 2020. Uh, well, Betts, this is why I analytics is secondary to me. Sorry, analytics truthers, but you have nowhere calculated into your dominator rating and your breakout age for this guy that he was a freaking quarterback and came in wanting to be a quarterback and still believes he is a good quarterback. Like this guy currently. So what you're saying is he's Kyler yes. Murray. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that just doesn't show up. And then you do look at his senior season, and you see from a production standpoint, okay, that's actually quite nice. Seventy catches, almost a thousand yards, ten touchdowns is pretty good. Uh, with no context, and for a guy who even just the year before had 10 catches for 194 yards in seven games, it's like, okay, clearly there was a jump here that happened, and it happened for a reason. So I honestly do not bake this Dominator and Breakout Age into my evaluation of Kadarius Tony at all. Like, I do that for a lot of other guys, and I say, oh, use that as a tiebreaker, or say, hey, 
why why is this guy a little bit lower on this particular metric? Should we be concerned about that? Let's look into the context. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm going to adjust him a little bit because of it. I just throw it out for Kadarius Tony. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what he said. That I mean, that, that basically encompasses everything that you need to know about the analytics and, and the production profile for Kadarius Tony. I do find it incredibly impressive what he was able to do this year statistically with having the unicorn Kyle Pitts on the same roster. The fact mm. that Kadarius Tony was still able to get those touchdowns and Pitts did miss some time. So that helps obviously a little bit with that, but still to be able to complement, you know, basically a dominant six foot six wide receiver playing tight end um, and still line up next to him and be able to produce when you're not a wide receiver by trade or training is impressive. Uh, the production, I think, this year was was very impressive from where he came from, and the and the growth that he showed at the position. Yeah, for sure. Let's start though, like early in his career, because we talk about it a lot with these type of guys. You know, I remember talking about it a couple of years ago with Deontay Johnson, and and saying, you know, these guys that have these punt return, kick return abilities that are good in open space that know what to do with the ball in their hands, it makes sense, right? Former dual threat quarterback, wildcat, runs the ball like he looks comfortable with the balls in his hands, and that shows up on tape in his wide receiver profile, but talking about what he did as a returner was also really, really encouraging on tape. And you see that explosiveness, you see that good decision-making you know, skills, able to kind of set up blocks, that kind of thing. So mm. at the NFL level, if he can get himself in a position where he is getting the ball in space and then kind of letting the blockers in front of him go to work, he can produce and pick up those you know easy yards after that with his speed and kind of elusiveness. So I do like that about his game. And let's talk about that kind of slot wide receiver role because you look at where he played, on the field, 505 <laughs> snaps in the slot last year, 80 out wide, 80 <laughs> all lot. season. That like he is a slot, slot wide receiver. Yes, yes. That is locked and loaded. But in today's NFL, that sort of works. So, what do you guys take on on that? Um, do you see him profiling as a guy that could ever really have like a top 15 fantasy ceiling, or is he kind of like locked into like a wide receiver two, wide receiver th- three flex type role? I think he can have a top 15 ceiling if he gets the targets. So the main question with him will be, will he go to a place that uses him as a gadget guy? Um, I don't know. Who, who's a good example right now? of Tavon Austin. Uh, that, uh, I, I, I wanted somewhere in between those two, which is why I didn't bring up either of those examples. I feel like Debo Samuel gets more targets than the gadget kind of guy I'm thinking of and Tavon Austin doesn't get enough but just imagine someone in between there I guess maybe like old Percy Harvin um although Percy had some truly top tier seasons he did have some good seasons so the question is will he get pigeonholed into that or will his ability as a receiver grow to the point where he's running out of the slot and getting 120 130 targets and his ability is turning that into incredible fantasy production because if that happens he's a wide receiver one so Kadarius Tony is very, very interesting to me because has he hit his ceiling or is no. he just scratching the nope. surface? And that to me is the conversation that needs to be had around Kadarius Tony. When we talk about his NFL draft capital, that does matter to an extent, absolutely. But it depends on the type of wide receiver to me. Like Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board last year. And I was telling everyone that I was going to be out 
and I'm I'm mm-hmm. still out on Henry Ruggs, and I really want right. nothing to do with him because he is just a speed guy designed to take the top off the defense. He helps your team more in real life football than he does in fantasy football. Kadarius Tony is not that guy. He's not a lineup at the X and take the top off the defense. So maybe he is someone that is going to get more targets or is the team that is going to value him as a late first or early second round guy looking at him being, this is someone that is going to be able to contribute dynamically in the punt return and kick return game and also be able to get on the field a little bit in offense. I don't know. The range of outcomes is so wide with Kadarius Tony. He could be Tavon Austin, who is never fantasy viable, or his ceiling could be a Randall Cobb in his prime. Like he could have those two things within his range of outcomes. And it is very, very hard for me to gauge which one of those it's going to be because he only turned into a wide receiver essentially a year ago. It's very tricky with him. It makes it very, very hard to gauge. And this is, so here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to put a little bow on this last year. Antonio Gibson was someone where I said his production profile and what he did on the field was not enough for me to justify using a draft pick on him. Correct. Kadarius Tony is someone that is probably going to be going, I would say in rookie seconds, maybe thirds there at that, at that price point, I will take the upside. I'm not going to rank him right now in probably my top. Well, I know for a fact, he's not going to be in my top five wide receivers at the position. He might not even be in my top 10, but the upside is there that where you're going to be able to get him in your rookie drafts. That's what you want to chase that you want that upside that you're looking for explosive dynamic playmakers that if they do get the role in the NFL offense are going to be able to contribute very, very potently for your fantasy team. So this is someone that I will probably be targeting with late round draft picks if he's there. Yeah, I think that's a great call. I mean, you know, to me, I think other people maybe value that first round draft capital more than, and it's not like we don't value it, but like you're saying, there's a complete difference between this guy helps the NFL and this guy helps your fantasy roster. And I could see a scenario that exists where everyone just says, well, he went in the first round. Therefore, he should be the so third wide receiver. Fifth, yeah, exactly. Goes and maybe at that second, point, just like that I'm like, oh, last year, and, I'm yeah, out and again. I missed out on them or something. But yeah. yeah, he's a tough one. We talked before we started hit, you know, hitting record here. Like, I literally don't know where to put this guy, and I move him up and down like two spots every single day because it's just a huge tier. And like, I, I need to see where he's at. But if he lands in a system that knows how to get this guy the ball in space, I mean, he looks incredible. When he has the ball, looks like a running back. He's a better running back than Trent Richardson <laughs> right now <laughs> with his ability. This dude is freaking nasty. Okada, talk to me about this guy because you 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 know told me you're like Betts, you need to change your scouting notes because I think I was in there first. <laughs> I was the first one in there for this guy on, on the website, and I put something like above average route runner, violent cuts or something like that. And he was like, mm. dude, you need to go back in there. You need to let people know that that is not the case. This guy <laughs> is insane with his route running. So talk to people about his quickness, his shiftiness, and his route running. Okay, briefly before I get into there, I just wanted to say, because I agree with most most of what John said about the uh, range of outcomes for Kadarius Tony, but he put the ceiling at Prime Randall Cobb. To me, I put the ceiling at a guy who had zero production in college, never had more than 600 receiving yards, was primarily viewed as a running back, had one year at a big school, and then went to the Chiefs and became Tyree Kill. That's the kind of ceiling I see for Kadarius Tony. 
Could he just go to throwing the that out there? Could Tyreek Hill? No, I said could Kadarius Tony fall to the? Oh team? no no no! Oh yes, I, that could be the case. I don't know oh. why the Chiefs would do that. Like, there's a certain point at which you, you already have four of them. On exactly. Your team. How you much need one, one do you really need? Let me dream, okay. <laughs> That's Anyways. not a dream. That's the worst. <laughs> I don't want that. It could be okay if Sammy Watkins goes and Mikla Harbin disappears, but uh, yeah, it just seems like... Kadarius Tony uh, opposite DeAndre Hopkins in the Arizona Cardinals offense. Yes, that sounds much better. Okay, so what I saw on tape, yes. I told Betts that he needed to go and somehow spruce up his wording because... And what's most incredible about this is... For a guy who wasn't a receiver, you would expect like certain aspects of his game to be very impressive to maybe get him into the first round. Like maybe he's really good after the catch with the ball in his hand, like Betts mentioned, or maybe he just blows by defenders in off coverage, which by the way, he does. He yes. destroys off coverage, eats it up like nobody's business. But the thing that stands out most about Kadarius Tony is he is a disgusting route runner because his feet are insane. He has these are, these are my notes, okay? I'll just read them to you. Filthiest feet out of breaks in the class. Absolutely exquisite foot quickness. Sends DBs on roller skates routinely. And specifically against press coverage, I put nasty shake and bake at the line to lose press defenders. Kind of what we talked about with Devontae Smith. Like, is he a big guy? No. Is he going to body through someone in press? Maybe not. But if he, is he going to come out of that break, or out of release, and make the defender look just silly and be five yards past him before he even knows what happened? Yes, frequently. This guy is so quick, so jukey, so sudden, he will annihilate anybody who tries to, to play him tight. And to, to, the, to the point of the Chiefs, you know, that's the kind of thing that they do so well, and it works out so well. And that's not his only ability either. Like, that is what he does incredibly well. But I saw good, very good ball tracking down the field, which means he can be a deep threat. I saw very good ability to break down quickly at the top of routes and, on, and come back to the quarterback when that was necessary, which is an incredibly good skill to have. I think we talked about this with Jalen Wall. When you're this kind of guy who's a fast, deep threat, who scares DBs and off coverage and makes them play deep. And then you have a strong comeback ability. And you have literally eight or 10 yards of separation. The quarterback absolutely loved it. He's got a lot of skills for a guy who just became a wide receiver. And there, some of those skills are some of my favorite skills to see in a receiver. So is there room to grow? Absolutely. Are there weaknesses on tape? Yes. And we can get to them, but the strengths are so strong that it that's, in my opinion, why he's a first-round potentially prospect. He has the filthiest jab step mm -hmm. that I can think of. Mm -hmm. It looks like you know, it looks like from last year. DeAndre Swift with his when he puts his foot in the ground and changes direction. Yeah, mm. it's like that though. He'll be running his route and he sticks his foot, and without losing speed, will make a ninety-degree break, and you're like. How did he just do that? His cut ability is insane. It's nuts. And it, and it's ridiculous that he just has that natural skill set without being trained to be a wide receiver. So, yeah, maybe I'm going to talk myself I, into moving him up a couple spots. I, I think this, is, this, this might be the kind of instance where just pure, unbelievable athleticism Right. makes up for a lack of experience, technique, training, Absolutely. to where like 
he is just better with his body than whoever is across from him, and it shows. And then you add in the fact that he'll get NFL coaching, he'll get around better than wide receivers mm-hmm. and say, like, hey, come over here, try this, you know, technique or, or that sort of thing in practice. So, yeah, like you guys said, like, he's just literally learning to play the position. That's what's so exciting about a guy like this. You guys mentioned a couple of the weaknesses. What do you guys see on tape that you are not concerned about, but that you would say is a weakness for Kadarius Tony? Okay, well, I'm going to go first because Ricardo gets to go first every time. Yes. So, yeah. with Kadarius Tony, he's ridiculously fast. He is lightning in and out of his breaks. All of those things are wonderful, but his balance is one of the most perplexing things that I've ever seen when watching prospect film. His contact balance is great. He will absorb contact and keep his footing and and do wonderful things. But then there's other times where he just falls over and it is the most baffling thing you've ever seen. He'll put this ridiculous jab step or just a full on 360 because he'll do that from time to time. I think just because he's bored and then he'll catch the ball and he'll just like lose his balance and fall over. It's so confusing to me because I'm like, how do you have good balance when you're getting hit? but bad balance when you're not. So the balance thing is a little bit uh, perplexing to me. It's also like his feet get ahead of him sometimes. His feet can go so fast that his brain hasn't caught up to what they're actually kind of trying to do, and he trips himself up. I had a thought about this, John, actually, because John and I, as is the case with a number of these receivers, watched the tape together uh, in some little red shirts tape grind sessions and we both saw this we were like why does he keep falling down right after the catch this is just pure speculation but a guy who's played quarterback always starts with the ball in his hands gets three seconds before he decides to run and then is just it takes off he doesn't have to think about that transition moment between getting the ball turning his body up field and running Kadarius Tony, having been that guy, is now making the transition to where he is running sideways. He is coming back. He is turning his body in a different way to catch the ball and then trying to turn up field quickly. And what I saw is that typically these balance issues showed themselves right after the catch where it seemed like he was suddenly trying to get up field, like he was hungry to get up field, but his mind was ahead of his feet or something and he would fall down. So if that pure speculation is accurate, it could be something that we see phase out as he gets more and more practice being a wide receiver. Just throwing that out there. But I did see the same thing. No, it's a good speculation. I like that. Uh, Other other issues, by the way, high-pointing ability and contested catches, I was not impressed. I was not even. I mean, uh, he barely had to do it, right? You don't really see that on tape because they designed the, the offense to get him the ball close to the line of scrimmage and said, all right, go. Correct, which is yeah. smart, and the and yeah, whatever yeah. NFL team drafts him should probably do that, but it is an ability that I did not really see, which means it might limit his game a little bit. And then hands in general, I put adequate for his hands, which is a pretty big detraction for a guy who's if, if you want him to get a lot of targets in the short and intermediate area, I would like him to have strong, sure, quick, reliable hands. I saw... Eh, Meh hands from Kadarius Tony. So that's another weakness. Again, uh, the NFL team, if they're smart, will get him the ball into his into his not, not great hands in ways that are easy, but it could limit his upside potentially if he can't improve. 
if you want a clip that is going to circulate over and over and over again until we get to the NFL draft, the clip of Kadarius Tony just roasting that corner at the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. almost oh, on that route, yeah. wide open. It's it's literally a one on one drill, wide open pass, hits him in the hands, and then just he dropped drops it. it. Yep. Yeah. But you know, it's one play, it's one drop. It it's a factor, but his route running. I mean, to me, that's what stood out, not the drop. I think the bottom line, guys, is that he is a guy who is going to get probably first-round draft capital in the NFL or early second. And that should give us enough somewhat confidence that a team is going to try to to give him chances to succeed in the NFL. And he's still learning this game. So what I'm hearing from you guys, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, is that in year one, I kind of see this player implemented into the offense in limited capacities because he's still learning the game, because he's still learning the wide receiver position. Maybe he's immediately the kick returner, punt returner. But then in year two, we see this guy come out and continue to take a step forward. That's how I'm kind of approaching Curious Tony. And so he's another guy that I'm sort of like, do I want to spend my mid-first on this guy in a rookie draft if he goes into the first round of the NFL draft? And to me, the answer is no. So if, it depends on what my league mates do. If they want him more than I do, I think I'm probably not going to have a lot of Curious Tony. But if he falls to the second, I'll be really excited to draft him. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I think that maybe more than a lot of these other guys we're talking about, Kadarius Tony's landing spot is going to be significant, of significant importance. Because, you know, if he goes to the Ravens or he goes to the, I don't know, Bears, which is actually frequently mocked, or the Colts, I might not feel that great. If he goes to the Packers, who have the 29th overall pick, and he's got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams clearing space on the outside. That could be pretty spicy. Well, because but then he he is Aaron Rodgers, new, primetime. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that would fit very, very well. So, if he, he has to go somewhere that I trust the coach, that I trust the offensive coordinator, and that I believe that they can figure out how to unlock him best. If he goes to a bad organization where the offense is questionable and I don't think they're going to use him well, I think he could easily fall well out of the first round, maybe into the mid-late second round of rookie drafts. He, like, like John mentioned, his range of outcomes is so wide. In my opinion, that means his range of draft position could be very wide as well. If he goes to an ideal landing spot, I could see him being the fourth or fifth wide receiver off the board, which means fringe <laughs> round one. Yeah, I just... It'll be fun. It'd be fun I, I, don't, to see I don't think I can get there. Like I, I don't at this point, and we'll have to see. It's how not you, draft. it's me. I, what yeah, if he goes to the Packers? I still don't think I can. 29th overall, it's very realistic. I don't think I can take him as the fourth or fifth wide receiver. Right. I, I don't see enough in his game. I, I see if I had to peg what I think his NFL career is going to be, I think that he's a gadget guy that's not going to be fantasy relevant. That is what, Ooh. if I had to pick what I think his NFL outcome is going to be. I think it's that he has other things within his range of outcomes. Absolutely. But I'm not confident enough in those things to basically Percy Harvin. You're basically saying he's Percy Harvin. He's got a 5% chance of being as good as Percy, in my opinion. Whoa. What do you mean? Percy Harvin never even had a thousand yards. (laughs) Okay, what was his best season? You're looking at it right now, aren't you? Best, yeah, you. nine, nine, <laughs> and six touchdowns. He, yeah, and he had that, 1,300 scrimmage yards that year. To be fair, because he had 345 rushing. 
Right. But that was an so, outlier season for him. Mostly he was in the six to 700 yard range. But here's the thing. Everyone saw his explosive athleticism and they wanted him to be what his ceiling was going to be every single year. Everyone was always hyping Percy Harvin. Every year throughout his That's career, true. he had the one outstanding season and then everyone kept doing it year in and year out in fantasy football drafts the next season saying, but he can do that again, but he can do that again. And he never did. So because of the raw athleticism of Kadarius, Tony, I think there is always going to be this, but he's got that ceiling go buy low. He's a target. Like he's going to be that kind of guy in fantasy circles. I think for years when in reality, he's probably going to be like a 600 receiving yard guy. Now, he could be more. It's entirely possible that he is prime Randall Cobb if he all of a sudden turns into a route-running savant and, and he's getting 120 targets. Sure. But I don't think that I can take him with a late rookie first when I see other guys that are much safer than he is. That's where I'm at with him. So if he's someone that is slipping into the late second, maybe. Maybe I'll take him there. Be. And that's something that I would consider, but I'm not. I'm not using a rookie first on him with the running backs that are available, with the quarterbacks, with Kyle Pitts, with top tier wide receivers that I think have a much safer range of outcomes and a higher ceiling. Yeah, it's just not someone that it's going to be on my board in the first round. It'll be an interesting uh, month and a half here as we break it down. Uh, I have a couple real quick announcements before we close out the show. Ooh. Uh, next, so whenever you're listening to this, the next episode is episode two hundred. Oh, what the heck? My. When did that happen? I am shocked. Um, and ironically, we were going to record that show on Okada's 30th birthday. Hey! Holy crap. What a, it's going to be a fun night. Wow, so maybe wow, we'll wow. do something a little special. Maybe change oh, up the theme. Maybe we'll go live. Maybe we'll be on YouTube. We don't really know mm. what's going to happen. Maybe, you know what we should do, maybe we'll throw a party for Okada. We should just do an Okada-themed episode where yes. we talk about all of his guys. We like come up Ooh, with like, like a, a top Kyler five Murray, like guys. Huh. Yeah. yeah, we just go an Okada themed twenty twenty one. Are we gonna Apple. talk about guys I hate too? Sure, whatever you, you whatever want. You want. Birthday birthday. you want to pick oh three good and three bad, and we talk about twenty twenty one outcomes while we, you know, send you a birthday cake to to smash into your face live on uh, on air. That'd be good. I think we should ask the listeners. I think we should put out a poll and see what they want us to talk about for the two hundredth episode. Okay, we'll do that. Maybe um, we do a mailbag. That'd be fine. We should do that. Follow us on Twitter at Richards FF Pod for that. You can follow Okada mm. at Matt Okada. Wish him a happy birthday pretty soon, by the way, whenever you're listening. Uh, at John Helmkamp, and I'm at The Fantasy PT. Episode 200 next time. Keep it locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. If you wouldn't mind, drop that rating and review. We would love you forever. It's it's Okada's birthday present. That rating and review. True. There you go. For the future birthday boy, for John, for myself, we are the Richards. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out BallBlastFootball.com for all things fantasy football.